0: The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. No Greg this week, Guru Greg, which we'll come on to later. I'm actually quite glad he's not here because I feel like he's going to be very obnoxious about his excellent shout on the podcast last week. But I am joined by Holly Percival, no longer Holly the Hex because Villa have won a game. We'll we'll also come on to that later. And later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Matt Woosnam, the Crystal Palace writer for The Athletic to talk all things Crystal Palace and in particular, the resurgence of one Christian Benteke. Holly, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you, Dan. How are you?
0: Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. Still buzzing over last week's victory. Also, still hungover from my 1874 night out with Greg Evans, which you did not attend, Holly. Mainly because you didn't know about it, but you will be there the next time, won't you?
1: 100%. I mean, you've called me out there, but I had no for no pre-warning about said night out, so um, I was down in London working.
0: Yeah, so, uh, me and Greg, definitely too old to be doing stuff like that. We actually went to the Punjabi Villains event last week. At Villa Park and then we went out afterwards like we were university students but the Punjabi villains I need to just give them a shout out Holly because the event was amazing the food was amazing John Gregory was amazing so so yeah really really good event at Villa Park and do go onto Twitter and social media and check out the Punjabi villains because they're doing some great stuff Holly you saw we won a game David G's asked the question did it feel like a weight off your back after the win on Saturday? I was going to say weight off the shoulders in jolly and less Scott style, but you know you were really having some problems, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I, I said it as Watkins scored the goal that I was like, I really hope they don't lose this here because I cannot continue to watch Villa lose week in, week out. Um, it kind of would have been a nice kind of icing on the cake if the women's team had won on the weekend as well. But both have got off to winning ways. Finally, since I've joined the podcast, so I, I was very, very happy, and it was just nice to see Steven Gerrard have a successful day at Villa Park in his first game.
0: Perfect start for him. I think Steven Gerrard said himself, it was the it was the perfect start. Let's hear what he did have to say. Then let's play in a little clip.
2: As the result we 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 dreamt of, if you like. So it's a perfect start for us. But now we've got to go and prove we can back it up. I'm really pleased with the clean sheet. Um, everything we asked the players to do, they've done it, and. Um, I think we deserved it because how we finished the game. Brighton had a lot of possession, but in the areas we wanted them to have the ball. Um, so yeah, really pleased with the players, really proud of them. Um, but it's only a good start. We need to go and back it up now. There's no better sight in football when you see a top number nine just open up like that and, and, and put a top class finish in. You seen the reaction of the halt end. Um, they certainly played the part today, so did the rest of the crowd, and um, that gave us the breakthrough. But you know, you can only go and win the game. Um, if you defend your goal well enough and then um, there was a couple of really match-winning blocks in the first half one from Emmy the goalie and um, One from Matty at left-back, so uh, they were two big moments in the first half But I think all in all we probably just shaded this one. Well look, we've lost five on the spin and um, You could tell at times the crowd were a little bit edgy today, which is understandable the players at times were maybe a little bit edgy, but I think the way we finished the game I thought the subs brought a lot, Ashley, Ashley Young brought fantastic experience, Bailey, Ghazi, they brought quality and we looked so dangerous in the last ten minutes of the game because Brighton fancied it and they were pushing and we went and hit them on the break a couple of times and um, we could have went and scored another one with Leon. so we know we've got firepower, we know we've got talented players, we just need to get the balance right to defend our goal, be organised, get the structure right and, and we'll hit teams. Not in a leviery place, being a being a footballer. That was the the first dream. That was the only thing I ever wanted in life. Uh, but my career's gone. I need to move on. I have moved on. Now it's about me giving these players support and trying to help them and try and change them, uh, change their mentality into becoming winners. And that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah, he means business, doesn't he, Holly? That the way the way he speaks. I don't know how else to describe it other than he is proper.
1: Yeah, he's very switched on, and it's kind of. It's It was weird to me to see such almost like a calm and collected post-match interview after, you know, he was celebrating so heavily uh, for both of Villa's goals. So he just seems very switched on. He's straight back once he celebrates those goals, focused on what Villa do next, what they do to keep the lead or or carry on pushing for more goals if that's needed as well. So it's nice to just see him come in, uh, despite all kind of the outside noise around Liverpool and it being his first managerial job in the Premier League and just focus on on what Villa need, which is results.
0: Yeah, he hasn't had much time to work with the squad. I know everyone was away on international duty last week and I heard that he actually put on a Thursday evening training session, which is I don't know how how usual that is after an international break, but you know he, he really wanted to stamp down his ways, his ethos and then Friday would have been a big day at Moore Heath again. and actually the first 10, fifteen minutes, Villa came out of the block with with a lot of intent, a lot of cl- a lot of closing down, a lot of sharp, quick passing the tempo was a lot higher than it had been in the previous games at Villa Park. You can see the way he wants to play football, but it's very, very early days. But, you know, that first 10, 15 minutes was, was a good look into what Steven Gerrard or how Steven Gerrard wants his teams to play football.
1: Yeah definitely I think it's just that ethos of working hard and you know sometimes that might not also equal a a positive result but at least you've gone onto the pitch and done what was asked of you by the manager so like you said the kind of high pressing and and trying to retain the ball and then kind of building on that for the first 10-15 minutes was you know maybe not the most exciting football in terms of how fast-paced it was and and exciting because there wasn't any goals but I think in terms of Villa already looking restructured and kind of more comfortable um, with a back four again. It's nice to see and it's not kind of as worrying as a Villa fan to to not feel confident that your defenders and your midfield are going to, you know, stop that ball from getting towards uh, your own goal. So... It's very exciting because the thing is as well is is Brighton are a very organised team and Graham Potter has done a really great job with Brighton so you know to beat them for the first time away from home is a, is also a very big tick in my mind because Villa had to be structured going into that game and, and that's exactly what Villa and Steven Gerrard have done. Yeah
0: I think um, they defended very well as well they defended when they had to I don't I think Brighton caused any major problems but Gerrard said in his post match, you know they were prepared to suffer and try and do everything they could to keep that clean sheet and Pearson Tombo has actually asked a question here saying, I can't remember the last time we conceded so few shots on our goal. It was actually six. By comparison, the last time we played Brighton under Smith, we gave up no fewer than 26. So you probably don't associate Stephen Gerrard with having that rock-solid defence and it being defensive football, and I don't think that's what Villa will be. But I think it's encouraging that straight away he's acted upon that porous defence and that's what he, he's tried to do. He's trying to give Villa a platform and the only way he can do that is by us being better defensively than we have been the last month or so.
1: Yeah, I think with Villa anyway, when they defend well, they begin to build confidence and I think maybe Steven Gerrard's noticed that from previous uh, from last season and you know that defeat to Wolves by just not really doing any form of decent defending in those last 10 minutes kind of showed that that how easy it is to lose a game of football in the Premier League. So, Gerrard's obviously come in wanting to make sure that 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 would not be an issue for Villa under his reign, and has kind of really battened down the hatch his defensively. And I think he can do that as well because he knows that he's got such a good defensive line to use. So, while it might not be the be The main focus throughout the whole season, it seems to be the main focus right now to build on and develop on and and then kind of get the ball up to the likes of Watkins and and so on when Villa can go on the attack.
0: That back five of Martinez, Cash, Konza, Mings and Target was so good last season. The defensive record was excellent. I think we had the third best defensive record in the league. That could be wrong, but that's what my memory is telling me. That was actually the first time they've all played together since the second game of the season. So we're looking at August since we played that back five. That probably is a contributing factor, along with the fact that, you know, that Wolves game really, really seemed to rock them.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I actually, in my opinion, I think uh, the game on the weekend was was the best game that Target and Mings have had in a Villa shirt this season. Um, others might I might disagree, but I, I think just that kind of going to a back four, going back to what they're used to and, and were so confident with last season... Probably put some of them at ease automatically, and it was so easy for them. Yes, Mings probably came back from the England camp on cloud nine, having scored his first goal and and wanting to impress and wanted to show Gerard, this is why I have the captain's armband. So he's probably wanted to play well, and and Target's definitely been under the limelight with his performances recently, and I uh, I think he just he is a player that suits a back four so well, and and he was allowed to kind of play it how he wanted as well. So. For me, I think that back four is, is Villa's back four and, and hopefully that kind of stays that way um, for as long as possible.
0: Yeah, Target was was my man of the match. I put up on social media afterwards. I thought he was excellent. He, he dealt with a tricky customer in Tyreek Lamptey very, very well, but he also offered a lot going forward and you're right, back four suits Target. I think the back five suited Matty Cash on the, on the other flank, being able to get up and down the pitch more so, but I just don't think it suited Target at all. He was a little bit isolated. On that left flank when it when we played the five at the back, so yeah, I think that's a valid point. Four at the back is definitely targets better formation. Gerard, obviously, the first team selection was always going to be interesting because a new manager comes in, they've they've got fresh ideas. Timothy R wants to know what are they going to do about Wendy. It's just not quite happening for him at the moment. He was given the start in his favoured position on the on the the right hand side. He huffed and he puffed. You know, it's not for it's not for a lack of effort. I thought he worked really hard it's not quite coming together for him at the moment probably you could chuck you know Ings and Watkins in with him as well and the, the link up between the three of them wasn't that brilliant whilst they were all on the pitch it's it's going to take time again now isn't it because it's again new ideas
1: yeah I think even though the main change has happened defensively in terms of going to a back four you know I think that still has a knock-on effect to the to the players playing up top so Deer seems to still be finding his feet. I think he's definitely bringing in a lot of energy up front, but it's, you know, he's not providing the, those key passes to get Ings and Watkins through on goal um, like he was in pre season. So I'm hoping that he can kind of become more settled technically in, in providing attacking options. Otherwise, I'm going to struggle to see him continue to stay in the starting 11. He was obviously frustrated after the game punching his seat. So. He obviously wants to do well and he wants to succeed at Villa Park, but you know, like you said, he did, maybe he does need a, that little bit more time to kind of settle in and offer more up front. But it also, like you just said, Watkins and Ings before Buendia was subbed off, neither of them did much either in an attacking sense. So maybe it's just that three that aren't quite clicking. Who knows? So hopefully, Gerard kind of rotates through um, a front three over the next couple of weeks and kind of finds what he likes best and, and what works best as well. Uh, so I, I don't know about you, but it, it's kind of finding that fine line between, is it, do you go for Buendia or do you go for Bailey or do you go for the likes of El Ghazi? So there are still so many options. So I don't see Gerard having a set front three as of yet.
0: No, it's going to be difficult because you think when Leon Bailey is fit, he's going to come into the team because he, he offers something a bit different. He offers that, that that pace and that trickery down the right or the, or the left-hand side. I mean, it's good to get 60, 70 minutes out of Danny Ings. You know, he, he's not played the last few games. But he probably wasn't fully fitting at the start of the game. You, you could see what what he's all about, dropping deep. He's wanting to link the play. We were playing a lot of quick one-twos. But then he, he just faded, really. I don't know whether that was just the way the pattern of the, of the game went, but he, he did fade. And there, again, just wasn't really any link up between him and Watkins at all. So Gerrard, he's going to have to get... The balance of that, that front three, right? May, there may come a time when we try 4 2 3 1 and Bwendia maybe plays as a, as a 10 and we play two central midfielders, but at the moment I think we'll always play three in central midfield. So there is always going to be someone who misses out. So it's it's going to be quite fluid the team selection. I think he's it, it going to change on a week by week basis. But yeah, Bwendia loves a strop as well when he gets sub. No, it's not even a strop, is it? It's just he's very fiery. I think it's more about being fiery than anything. But like you say, he, he, it's not for a one of trying. He he wants to do well. It just isn't quite clicking for him at the moment. Teddy E has said, after a dozen games, is there a sense that this team is better after Jack Grealish's departure? How is the team getting along in the locker room? Who has been the better captain so far, Mings or Grealish? I think it's probably too early to answer the answer the last question. We'll say Tyrone Mings because he is the, the current club captain, but... They still, we still miss Jack Grealish. You can't, you can't get away from it. I wouldn't say we're a better team w- without him, but perhaps more of a team because it's you know, not so reliant on one player. Although we're not doing as well as we were last season.
1: Yeah, I agree with your point that we're we're arguably more of a team because we're not relying solely on Jack Grealish to score every goal for Aston Villa. So I think it's just unfortunate that, like we've just said previously. Villa's attacking options haven't quite become unified and clicked into place unfortunately so it's just a matter of time is what i'm hoping and probably what most villa fans are hoping will kind of begin to find their feet and begin to become more unified and and kind of overshadow the 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 attacking options that Jack Grealish provided when he was at Aston Villa so i it's hard to say for definitely like said about a better team overall especially because we've been through a managerial change so it's hard to answer that in full, but I'd like to think that post-Jack Grealish, the team will continue to build and develop and, and become a better team as a whole after Jack Grealish left for Man City.
0: I think it's a long-term thing. I think it's too too short-term at the moment to look at it and judge, but thank you for the question anyway. Now, gloating Greg, as he would have been if he was here, isn't here this week, thankfully, because he made an outrageous shout on last week's 1874 Hollywood. I pretty, I pretty much laughed at I don't, know, I don't know what you were thinking about I did about Did you yeah. laugh? Yeah, he claimed Ashley Young was going to play as a number 10 in attacking midfield. And I think, you know, he's obviously got a friend somewhere, is the, fir- is the first thing or so, because that's very, very good information. Because Ashley Young was very close to starting. He didn't start, but he did come on and have a big say in the game. El Ghazi as well was very good off the bench. We should give him a shout out as well. But it was really those subs that swung the game in Villa's favour, Holler. Ollie Watkins on the score sheet with the, with the great finish absolutely lashed it into the corner but it was the impetus of Ashley Young and El Ghazi that, that swung the game for Villa.
1: I was in the office and once I kind of realised that Ashley Young had, had played a good part in, in Villa's win I was like oh Greg's called that. How did he know? He's, he's got that spot on and I was thinking I really want to know who's given him that information because it, it was spot on and and it's, it's one of those where you don't want to disagree with it because Villa have won. But I did think Greg will be smiling in the press box right now, knowing that, that he's made that call on the podcast and, and it's definitely paid off. So, um, I'd also heard that Young was kind of on the line to, to be in the starting 11, but I, I kind of want him to be that impact sub. Like I, I, I think he could easily become one of Villa's best impact subs along with, with the likes of Al as well. So I don't know how much, um, El Ghazi's dummying run to the left-hand side of the box was intentional and he never wanted the ball from Watkins as he took it inside to to take his shot or not. But yeah, in their own ways, they provided so much for that first goal. And it's just, it's nice to know as well that Gerrard's already kind of understood what he can get from his bench and, and who works well coming off the bench. So it's again, just kind of that whole collective team effort of this might not work, so let's make bring this player in, and I think it worked perfectly in the end with those substitutions. So, kudos to Greg for, for getting it right with Ashley Young.
0: I can tell you, he waited about five seconds till after the final whistle went to send me a text message about Ashley Young. I got a WhatsApp through, honestly, five seconds after after the game had ended. I'm I was glad still, I did that message. I was still at my seat. I was still at my seat. That's how quickly the the, the message came. So, yeah. Wasn't humble at all from Greg. And Villa (laughs) finished off the game as well, Holly. Saw it out comfortably, which was nice not to be sitting on the edge of my seat going into stoppage time with Villa hanging on because Tyrone Mings chased a lost cause, really. Kept the ball in play and then carried on his run. And a smart finish as well. He wouldn't have had much time to think about that on on his right foot. It was a very, very good finish from Tyrone. And a a good game. Good to see him smiling again because he probably had a difficult time in the last month or so. Scored for England. Scores for Villa. A very good week for Tyrone.
1: Massively, and I think it was you, wasn't it, that said on the podcast we could have done with him saving that England goal for Villa. Yeah. So he must he must have heard you and was like, "Well, there we go. I'll just score another then." Have that, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I think what Ming showed is is determination and that kind of drive. Not that we had necessarily lost that at the end of Dean Smith's era, but. You know, for Mings to want to chase that lost ball, as you said, and and continue the play and continue pushing Brighton, even though we were in the lead, shows a lot about Mings's kind of drive and determination to help Villa succeed. And, and that's what you want from your captain. So he definitely deserved the goal because, like I said, in my mind, that was his best game for Villa this season. And it was nice for him to top that off with a really nice goal as well.
0: Yeah, Guru Greg's done a lot of writing around the new era under Steven Gerrard and the game at the weekend. And to celebrate Black Friday, you can now subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of just £1 a month for a full 12 months. But do hurry because the offer ends at midnight on Monday, November the 29th. You'll enjoy all the great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. Now, this would be the point usually where I'd ask Greg what he's got coming up, and he'd be very vague and tell me absolutely nothing. So we're not losing anything by him not being here for that section. But if you do go to athletic.com/villapod, you can take advantage of that best-ever offer. That's the athletic.com/villapod. very busy few weeks coming up for Villa the game's coming thick and fast we've got Manchester City at Villa Park which will be a nice easy game next Wednesday but before that we're heading to London and it's Selhurst Park Saturday 3pm we're now joined by the Athletics Crystal Palace writer Matt Woosnam to have a look ahead to this one and Matt a nice time to be covering Crystal Palace it's fair to say
4: oh yeah absolutely It's it's been really exciting this season I've really enjoyed um, watching Palace under Patrick Vieira um it's uh, it's completely changed since last season so a lot a lot has changed uh, a massive transformation
0: he's done a lot in a short space of time as well really i think he deserves a lot of credit for the quick change in style because it's it's night and day from Palace under previous managers not that they were bad managers but the style is just so so different and he's implemented it so so quickly
4: yeah absolutely i mean this is kind of the the thing that everyone was kind of i suppose concerned at Last season with all the players out of contract and, you know, losing a manager with such experience who kept them in the league for, what, four seasons, um, you know, under relatively difficult circumstances. Um, and then obviously Patrick Vieira comes in and completely changes things around. And, you know, you go and lose 3-0 on the opening day to Chelsea. Uh, you lose in the cup against Watford, against a weak Watford team. Um, and then you draw a goal, a goalless draw with Brentford and, and suddenly people are starting to worry, but, you know, he's done really well since then. He's learnt from any kind of mistakes that he's made and, you know, he's completely transformed everything. And a lot of that is also to the recruitment in the summer. Palace signed Mark Gaye from Chelsea, Joachim Um, you know, and you might not think, you might look at Palace and think their attacking talent is where it's at and that's what is most exciting. But, you know, it's a complete difference in the way they play. They play out from the back. They've got, defenders who are comfortable bringing it forward, who are great on the ball and that is a massive benefit to them.
0: Very, very progressive side, that's been been one of the things I've noticed. Holly, how much have you enjoyed watching Palace so far this season? Because they have been one of the best watches in the Premier League, to be fair.
4: Yeah, we were chatting
1: in the office um, right at the start of the season after two or three games about which player we're most excited to continue to see throughout the season and I didn't want to admit it, but my answer was, was Conor Gallagher. And I, I, he had a couple of decent opening games for Palace, even though results didn't necessarily go their way. And he, I mean, he's continued to blossom at Palace. And, you know, hopefully, I don't know if Chelsea can, can bring him back in January. Hopefully they don't for Palace's sake. But I think Palace have been probably had one of the best transfer windows in terms of not overly spent, but have had big rewards in, in the players that they have bought in over the summer. So it's been exciting to see them and, and, I'm, I am one of those fans that likes to see previous Villa players do well. So it's nice to see, oddly, Benteke having a bit of a resurgence over recent weeks.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Christian Benteke. I, I absolutely adored the man at Aston Villa. I mean, we were awful, Matt, when, when he played for us. He, we, he kept us up. He was our tallies, man. But he's back now to, to that Benteke. And I, I've noticed something. Since he changed his shirt number to 20... Absolutely different beast. That's the number he had at Villa. There's something about that number 20 on his back that brings him alive, Matt.
4: Yeah, it's interesting with, with Ben Teke because um, last January, um, you know, the signs were that he was going to leave, that Palace were going to allow him to leave. He was out of contract, I think. Um, and I think uh, he was offered to West Brom as part of a deal for Nathan Ferguson, which, you know, they, they I think they opted against, um, which is, you know, uh, poor for them because they only got £900,000 for Nathan Ferguson. But anyway, um, with Ben like, I think it's really interesting to see that he's massively kicked on, I think. Um, certainly there's still aspects of his game that aren't quite there yet, but the confidence that he was clearly lacking last season and the season before, um, you know, that seems to have come back, like, it seems to come back towards the end under Roy Hodgson and now, Under Vieira, you might not think he really suits the system because Palace aren't really getting loads of crosses into the box and things like that. But actually, he's done really well. And I think against Burnley, um, yeah, he missed a a pretty good chance with a header, but the goal, um, which took a deflection off Tarkowski, you know, he got himself in the right place. He took the shot. And then, um, you mentioned Gallagher there, Holly. And, you know, he brought down a ball, a long ball, um, from Anderson superbly chopped back as he does. That's one of his favourite moves is to chop back um and then laid it off to Benteke and Bente finished really well. I mean, you'd expect him to score, but I just thought it was a really good, strong finish. Um and he's he's been in really good form this season, even though he hasn't necessarily always been a first choice now that Palace have got odds on Eduard as well.
0: Would you expect him to start on Saturday? I'm kind of hoping he might be on the bench. I don't think he scored against Villa since he left us yet, but I'm feeling like this may be the weekend with his current form.
4: Uh, yeah, I think he will probably start um, in you know in in the, in the centre um, on his own. Palace do only really play one well three up front, however you want to describe it, um, flanked by two wide players. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who plays alongside him and and what sort of style they'll go for. Um, Vieira does like to change it up depending on the opposition, which is quite, you know, whereas with Roy Hodgson, it was very much, you kind of could predict everything and mostly predict the team that he was going to put out. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you at the moment what, what the team will be um, at the weekend. Usually last year, you could predict it almost to the to the letter, but this time it's it's a lot more difficult to predict.
0: Was it Eduardo who missed out at the weekend and Jordan who played? Have I got that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because he's another, another ex-Villa player. Jordan, I ex-Villa players all over the place, and
4: he very much divides opinion. Jordan, I at Palace, he did at Villa, um, and
0: we were rubbish when he played for us. <laughs> he um,
4: he's very good at pressing the opposition, um, but he doesn't score goals. And you kind of think for a winger, maybe you need to score goals, but he does obviously provide defensive cover as well. So it's a case of you know what is it that, that you're looking for from your winger? Are you bringing him in to sort of help the fullback you bringing him in to score goals? What What is it exactly you want from him? But I think he's done okay this season. There's been a few good chances that he's missed that he should have scored. And I think uh, against Brighton, um, it was costly because they went on to equalise in the last minute um, and that goal would have made it 2-0. And then against Man City, he missed a good chance as well. Luckily, Palace went on to win that game. But, you yeah, know, it, it's fine margins.
0: Yeah, and Wilf Zahar Hollow. A bit like when everyone used to come up against us and it was Jack Grealish was the main man. Zahar is obviously the one who you've got to curtail. And he's actually he spent some time on the bench since since he's come back from injury as, as well, but he's always the danger man for Palace, isn't he?
1: Yeah, Zahar is one of those players that... I just don't like because he annoys every defensive line that he plays against. And I mean, it, it's it's a great attribute to have as a player. But, you know, when you're watching it and it's against your side, it's very frustrating because he just knows exactly what to do to get in the defender's head and to wind them up and to put them on, on the edge. And, you know, there's always that worry that he, he somehow can get people sent off or, you know, in the book early on. So it puts that defender on the back foot because they don't want to get that second yellow. So... I think if Zaha's playing on the weekend, I think he'll definitely try and cause a lot of issues for Mings and Konza. And it's not really what you want to see for Villa when, when their aim at the moment is is to keep a clean sheet. So, it, like Matt said, it's it's hard to know for definite who Palace will line up. So, if it's Zaha, I, you know, I feel confident that Villa can contain him, but it, it definitely won't be a pretty game between that defensive line and Wilfred Zaha.
0: Would have been probably a good time to play Villa over the last few weeks, but we've now kind of got that new manager bounce, Stephen Gerrard, winning his first game. Who is it from Villa that concerns you, Matt?
4: I think Palace's uh, defensive record hasn't been that great this season. Um, you know, Most of that has really come from set pieces. Um, they conceded quite a lot. I think they conceded nine of their 17 goals from set pieces. But to be honest with you, I think you know Ollie Watkins is is probably the, the player that concerns me the most um, from a Palace perspective. Um, obviously scored a really good goal at the weekend. Um, so yeah, I think from from that perspective, it's it's got to be the striker. It's got to be Watkins. Um, you know he's he's done really
0: well. Got his goal at the weekend, so hopefully his tail is going to be up. Now we mentioned that the games are coming thick and fast, Matt, and we've got Manchester City on Wednesday after our trip to Selhurst Park. Can you just tell us how to beat them, please? Because obviously Palace <laughs> have managed to do that so far this season.
4: Um. Uh, we, we could loan you Wilfred Zaha for like £30 million for for a game, if that helps. I don't, You
0: know, I'd take it, I think. It's not my money, so it's easy for me to say. But yeah, I'd, I'd take it. <laughs>
4: um, yeah, I think I think for Palace beating Man City, a lot of that did come down to the way that they pressed. Um, they took the game to City, which, you know, again, you come back to what they would have been like last season and, and they would have just sat back and defended. And, you know, in fairness, though, you know, they've got a really good record in Manchester. Um, I think they're unbeaten in about four or five or six games in Manchester, which is crazy for for Palace. Um, But uh, certainly for Palace, it was was depressing for the front. You mentioned Conor Gallagher. He was exceptional. Him and Saha linked up really well. They played Saha through the middle, um, which obviously EG's playing out wide. Um, So basically just find yourself another Wilfred Saha and uh, another Conor Gallagher and you'll be all right.
0: I think McGinn can probably do the Gallagher role. I'm not sure that we've got anyone that can, can do what Wilfred Zahar can do. Maybe January will come round and we'll be able to do that. I mean, Philip Wright has asked, what style of player do you think Gerrard will go for first? And he suggested Jesse Lingard Hollow. Is he someone you'd like to see at Villa Park? Uh,
1: Jesse Lingard, yes. Um, I think based off of how well he performed for West Ham, I would not say no to him walking through the doors at Villa Park. Do I think it's the player Gerard will go for? I'm really not sure. Like we we do have a long list of players available um in the final third. So does Gerard add another name to that list? I'm not 100 sure. If he does, he'll definitely have to get rid of some players in January as well. Um, it, it's a really tricky one because I really back Villa's team, but for some reason I, there's so much talk of who does Gerard bring in in January. So maybe kind of a. a a central attacking midfielder if he wants to use that as an option but in my mind I'm not 100% sure on what the best position would be because I think at the moment Gerard needs time to find out what he likes and what he doesn't like and and what area needs the biggest the biggest replacement really
0: I mean I can tell him for absolute certain we do need a central midfielder of some description it would be nice if actually Chelsea did call Conor Gallagher back <laughs> And then loan him out to Villa. <laughs> That'd be perfect. I definitely tie that. I don't, I don't know whether that's, a, that, whether that's an option at all, but it would be a good battle, actually. John McGinvy, Conor Gallagher, quite quite similar players, aren't they, Matt?
4: Yeah, I think McGinn is someone that Palace will be a little bit aware of as well. I think he, I think he had a really good game, if I remember correctly, um, at Selhurst last season. Um, so yeah, I think uh, his tenacity in that midfield is is something to be aware of, but. Um, Palace are unfortunate because they've lost James McArthur to a torn hamstring, um, so he won't be available. And he's been absolutely superb this season. As much as we talk about Conor Gallagher, um, you know he's been facilitated by James McArthur in that midfield with that engine who you know covers all the ground, who gets across, who helps other players to play well. And I think Gallagher might... I'm not saying he'll suffer completely, but I think that might make it a bit more difficult. It'll be interesting to see, as I said earlier, who... Who comes in? It's possible we could see Ebret a return. Um, oh, great. Great time <laughs> Um, he'll be on the bench at the very least. Um, he didn't make it off the bench at Burnley, but with another week under his belt, then, you know, maybe, maybe he might come back in or you could have, uh, Jeffrey Schlup potentially. Um, he's probably the most likely to start is, is Schlup. Um, so you've got someone who sort of presses from the front, who drives forward with the ball and carries the ball well.
0: Right, before we let you go, Matt, and thank you ever so much for coming on and talking to us. I appreciate our podcast is recorded at not a very nice time for guests to come on. Score prediction, what are you saying, Matt?
4: Oh, that's difficult. Um, uh, Will I get hounded out of Sellers by the away fans if I say Palace 2-1? You'll
0: probably be okay. I, (laughs) I imagine you'll be all right. Hollow?
1: Um, well, see, I predicted Villa two nil against Brian yeah? on my uh, on my live stream. So there is actual evidence of of getting a correct prediction Excellent. here. So I don't gonna I don't want to end that streak. Um, however, I do think Palace are unpredictable, but uh, oh, I think a clean sheet will be definitely the main focus again. So I feel confident of a Watkins goal and a McGinn goal here. So I'm going to say two nil again this weekend. Two 0 to Villa. Yeah.
0: We're getting confident now, Holly, we've only won one game since you've come on this podcast. so've yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll get got keep, I've games. got to
1: keep the positive mental attitude going.
0: I'm going to go one one quite simply because I'm going. So me going to an away game is usually an absolute finisher for villa winning because we we can't win to save our lives when 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 I go away, but I'll go one one. The new manager bounce continuing. Somewhat, I can see us falling behind and then and then getting back in the game, arousing Steve and Gerrard half-time team talk. So, yeah, I'll go for 1-1. Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks ever so much for coming on 1874. And have a good day on Saturday. But, yeah, hopefully you don't enjoy Three Points.
4: Cheers, Dan. See you later. Cheers, Holly.
3: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Before we go on to the usual top three, let's just talk about the women's team. Holly, tough game at the weekend. Nil-nil at halftime, so things were going okay against Manchester City. Bit of an acid test coming up against them, but second half kind of capitulated a little bit and ended in a 5-0 defeat. I don't know whether would that have been expected before the game that Man City would just steamroll us?
1: Definitely not. City have not had a great start to the season um on previous accounts. They have struggled for for even the easier the quote unquote easier games to find results. So I think Carla Ward and Villa would have definitely gone into the game looking for at least a draw. Um, potentially stealing a win because City do have a great list of, 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 players under their belt. Um, they have been struck with, with a hard list of injuries, unfortunately. So, um, I think that'll be a game that Carla Ward and the team have walked away one, away with disappointed. Um, they, like you said, they held out for the first half, but second half was not as favourable, conceding five goals. And I think the thing that Villa needed to work on is keeping possession and, and, you know, pressing high up the pitch and putting pressure on the teams they're against. But that said, you know, Villa are only three point, uh, five points sorry, from from third place. So it, it's a very tight league this season, which is really nice to see. And, and hopefully, I mean, they have got a couple of hard games ahead against Spurs and United after the international break. But I think that gives Carla Ward and her staff a little bit of time to work on things and, and hopefully get a better result um, in a couple of weeks' time.
0: I kind of get the impression that Carla Ward, even though it's against Manchester City, won't like losing 5-0 to anybody. So, yeah, they'll probably have some hard training sessions this week. Or is it the international break, actually, now, again?
1: Yeah, it's the international break now.
0: they have more international breaks in the women's game than they do in the men's. They feel like they're every five minutes. You can never get any momentum going because there's always an international break coming along. Let's finish, then, as ever, with our top three. Holly, now, what we're going for this week is it's a difficult one. I've struggled with it a little bit last night. We're looking for three ex-Villa players who are now managers. You can be a little bit, you know, you can you can probably claim a few people are current managers who aren't. So I don't know who you've got. I've got three in my mind, but you know, a bit sketchy. Have you got three?
1: I don't have three, and I'm every time for most of these. I'm going to blame the fact that I'm I'm of a younger age than than some of our listeners um and I was trying to like push the boat out when we were discussing this last night as to whether I could include John Terry on that list having been in the management management team at Villa as well but um I haven't kept him on there obviously Gareth Southgate for me is the main one
0: the no-brainer
1: yeah um I would love to see if he can succeed at club football obviously he didn't when he had a brief spell at Middlesbrough has obviously you know reshaped England as a whole and, and kind of rejuvenized them so it's great to see him on continued success and, and very deserved of a new contract that he signed as well so Gareth Southgate was straight at the top of that list for me but I'm intrigued to know who you have
0: well I've got Olaf Melberg I would class him as a current manager he's managed in Sweden a couple of times he's out of work at the moment but I would class him still as a current manager still looks a million dollars as well Melberg Got to give him credit. Hasn't aged at all since he retired from playing football. So I'll, I'll chuck him in there. And then the third one, you know, I asked my dad about this last night as well. He randomly came up with Simon Grayson. I mean, he doesn't remember to put his teeth in in the morning, but he could remember that Simon Grayson played for Villa and was, was a manager. So that was that was a good shout. It's not very glamorous, is it? It's not the teeth. It's Simon Grayson it's just not very glamorous at all, is it? Having Simon Grayson as the third pick.
1: No, it's not a great list of, of Villa players who have gone on to, to bigger and better things, unfortunately.
0: But this is the thing. It's really unusual. When, once you play for Villa, you don't seem to go on and be a manager, really, or be a manager of no. There's barely anyone.
1: I, Gareth Southgate has to be the biggest and the best in that list. But there's no one else.
0: I mean, that's some, no, that's some shout going to England, but there is literally not really any, anyone else. I, I looked at Benito Carbona. I mean, I know you're young, as you've just said. You played for Villa in, for, for six months into in 2000 99 2000 season but you know he was managing italy for a bit but he's not, he's not even a current manager either producer told me that steve watson manages york I, did, I didn't know that but yeah get in touch with us please on social media or in the athletic comment section and do let us know about ex villa players as as current managers because you know my dad tried to tell me we should put brian little or uh john gregory in there but they're not current managers Let's face it. There's a lot of assistant managers and coaches going around. I've got here in front of me Solano and Hadja are both assistant managers for their countries. You you, know, you mentioned John Terry as well. Yedinak's a, a coach in the Villa Academy as well. But it's really not any managers around. So yeah, if you can think of anyone, get in touch because that really, really stumped me. And it sounds like it stumped young Holly as well. That's it for today's episode of 1874. Don't forget that Black Friday offer. You can now subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of just a pound a month for a full 12 months, but you've got to get in before Monday of November the 29th. So thank you to Holly, who, you know, it's, a, it's good to show up to the podcast. So you're already one up on Greg. And thank you for being an excellent host, guest. I don't know what you would you clash yourself as a host or a guest, Holler.
1: I'm not sure. You
0: run everywhere. Probably a probably ho- probably all hosts. Yeah. I don't I'll,
1: know. I'll take a host. That sounds like an upgrade.
0: Yeah, I'll give I'll give you I'll give you that gig. Make sure you go to your boss and ask for a pay rise. Hopefully, Greg will be back next week. We're going to record after the Manchester City game, so you can expect that episode at some point on Thursday. Until then, let's keep the Gerard train rolling up the villa. the
4: athletic